Welcome to Philanthropy Today. Our goal is to inspire giving by educating listeners on ways to give and how to connect with charitable causes. My name is Dave Lewis. I'm your host of Philanthropy Today. Thank you for joining the show. Here on Philanthropy Today, we are celebrating 25 years of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. And one of the ways, Vern Henrichs, that we've been doing this is bringing back some people that have been central to uh, the growth of the foundation, probably more so, their leadership. And we've got one of Manhattan's great people in to visit with about his time as uh, president of the GMCF board. Indeed. Dennis Mullen has been an integral part of the Community Foundation since the day one. And he certainly was integral in my life because he was the chair when uh, when I was hired to this organization. So it's been a great, uh, great opportunity to get to know and work with Dennis in this whole process and uh, dream about what the Community Foundation could be. We really appreciate having Dennis here and the leadership and that he brings not only from a foundation perspective, but from a community leadership as well. So Dennis, thank you for being here today. Well, so thank you. Appreciate the invitation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your term mm -hmm. as president of the Foundations Board. Some of the things that really stand out during that time frame, some of the people that you worked with, that was a significant time frame for GMCF. It was. You know, I think that uh, I would call it a transition time from uh, toddler to at least teenage years mm -hmm. uh, in that process. Uh, we really hadn't garnered the respect of the not-for-profits, uh, even though we had been in business for several years. But I think there was still a distrust as to what the Community Foundation was going to do mm -hmm. and maybe take away from their funding. Uh, and, and that year, I think, uh, made a, a good beginning to building those relationships. Uh, first of all, it was the first year we had the green uh, day mm -hmm. and the match uh, you know we started that and, and we really started it with a, a philosophy that actually started with the Kansas Health Foundation right. uh, in that process because uh, they had uh, sent out some grants matching grant opportunities if you built your endowments uh, to a certain growth uh, percentage I think it was it was over 100% anyway uh, growth in that area and uh, and so we were trying to build the endowments for the communities. Uh, Phil again and his family were instrumental. They were they matched in the very first gold green, uh, fifty percent on every dollar that was given, and the dollars given went to the endowments to right. the organizations. His match uh, allowed them to use it any way they wanted in, in their budget, and so it was a win-win. And uh, you know I think that helped build that bridge between. Uh, all of the not-for-profits in the community foundation. They, they didn't see it as a competitor. They mm -hmm. started seeing it as an advocate for right. them and really helped them grow their organizations as well as the community foundation. And that was important. Very important. One of my perspectives during that time, I was involved in a lot of other things, but I thought that the Girl Grain Match Day basically drew a tremendous amount of awareness of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation to the general community. Mm -hmm. Because it was just something that a lot of people could start buying into, and they realized the impact that it was going to make on all the nonprofits that participated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that awareness factor is something that had a significant impact on the success of the Community Foundation 
in the ensuing years. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Dave. But, you know, I think that awareness is probably a key and that was probably the uh, theme of my year. Mm -hmm. uh, not only the awareness uh, to the public and the Grow, Grow Green in particular gave them an opportunity for every individual to have an impact. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think you mm -hmm. sit on the outside and you think if you don't make a major gift, you right. know, it really doesn't have an impact. Uh, to these organizations and, and they can see not only their dollars grow by 50% thanks to the wonderful uh, Howell family uh, matching grant, but also just they felt good about it. You know, right. the, the, this uh, atrium here at Colony became alive. Uh, I mean, people were coming in every minute and not only just giving a gift, but talking and, and visiting and learning right. about uh, the different organizations that have their tables set up in here on a parallel side we really worked hard at uh, financial advisors and educating mm -hmm. them and what the foundation could do you know so they could talk to their clients about gifts in the future and, and legacy gifts and and the like and we had to educate people and educate people on what the foundation could do and the tool it could be for them you know not something that's out there uh, just trying to take your money out of you, but really a great tool. You know, mm -hmm. I can personally say examples of times when I had end of the year opportunities to give uh, for my tithe and, and uh, other opportunities that, you know, nothing really came to mind at that time. But I can put in the community foundation. So when that project came up, then we had a major amount of gifts that we get dollars we can share in, in whatever right. project was there. It was a great tool. And we just need to educate. We need to educate the not-for-profits. We need to educate the public. We needed to educate uh, uh, the financial advisors. And so it was a triad in the way we went. Um, you know, Yes Fund was a good example. That was the year we pulled the Yes Fund right. uh, into the Community mm -hmm. Foundation. That took a lot of conversations. I, re I realized in all my decades of working with not-for-profits, uh, they all have an ego. <laughs> you know, you'd like to think they don't, but they do. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when I tried to consolidate it, worked hard to try to uh, put not-for-profits together. For example, we did it with the Boys and Girls Club and the Big Brothers Big mm -hmm. Sisters. I found out in a quick hurry that there was an ego there. One didn't want to be overshadowed by the other. So you got to work through those things. And we went to the Yes Fund. It was a very successful campaign to try to convince them to come into the Community Foundation and let us help them grow that campaign weren't the easiest conversations. It was a handful of uh, us and others that had get started the Yes Fund and uh, took pride in growing mm -hmm. it, took pride in what it was doing for the community, and weren't so sure they wanted to be a part of the Community Foundation and under, under that umbrella and not right. stand out there alone as them, themselves. Uh, but they saw, as we did, the opportunity that brought. It, uh, we more than doubled the, not the matching dollars, they stayed the same. We may have increased those by one $10,000 gift, but but that average person that's answering the ad and sending mm -hmm. their checks in, we almost one and a half times the money they had done the year before. And the number of donors, we grew almost threefold what they'd had the year before. And well, so it was a great, great opportunity to show what the Community Foundation right. could do. Well, and Dennis, I think that's the uh, the part uh, your humbleness uh, plays on the side. But the the idea that you 
we're able to work with nonprofits, work with the Yes Fund leadership, and work with others, professional advisors in the community to advocate for the Community Foundation was a major thing. And I hope you don't take that lightly because it made a big difference in uh, having you as the leader. Uh, you were the right person there at the right time, and people had confidence in you, and that confidence spread into the Community Foundation and has certainly uh, paved the way for what we have today. And so, uh, personally, I'd like to say uh, thank you, and uh, on behalf of the community, I'd like to say thank you as well. Uh, that's very kind of you to say that. Mark. It's very true as you know, well. So, in, in all honesty, I'd sit on a lot of those boards already. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had some uh, credibility yeah. and trust, and uh, and that did help. You know. Right. Everyone's a little afraid of what the unknown is, and yeah. so it was good. And then I'd have to say, you know, if I looked at the fundamental best asset we had was the board of directors. Yeah. The Community Foundation from the very beginning had great people involved, mm -hmm. and they kept that on the board. And, and it wasn't just a name board. And, you know, I can run through that board, and they were not only great people in our community, well-known people in our community, a very active board, you know, yeah. wasn't there just for a monthly board meeting. They, they chaired the committees, they ran the committees, they, they were so dedicated in what their task was. And, and that really helped, really helped a lot. Candidly, uh, you mentioned earlier the change in leadership from uh, Liz to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a major move because you were better known in the community. Liz was new in the community. She'd come here with her husband who ran the Discovery Center. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the first curator in the Discovery mm -hmm. Center, uh, but really very new mm -hmm. to the community and, and hadn't built that kind of uh, uh, credibility mm -hmm. early on. And, you know, you coming aboard and your credibility and, and experience and knowledge and uh, just relationships uh, helped us tremendously also. And uh, it's all about people. It is. It is all about people. I, uh, I've sat on a lot of boards over the years, and I always try to guard them in being a little too quick to bring on boards the hard workers mm -hmm. in the community. You still need the thinkers. You need uh, people that have financial wherewithal to help. Mm -hmm. You have to have all that blending together to make yeah. a really successful organization. And that's what Community Foundation had. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty exciting. Well, and you had mentioned the aspect of competing with the other nonprofits. That was one of the early decisions that we made to not actually ask our trustees at that point in time to give to us. They certainly could if they wanted to, but we wanted them to use the Community Foundation as a vehicle to give to the nonprofits of their choice so that those nonprofits really understood that in your vision that we were here for them. And we were an avenue for them to be their foundation because many of them didn't have one. So Particularly we were, endowments. Exactly right. So we were their foundation for endowments or other uh, future funds. And that vision uh, was a big thing for them. And again, thank you. So Well, my recollection was that Go Green really put all that together. Yeah. I mean, we were just stumbling along, winning one over at a time. Sometimes, yep. you know, yep. they'd come and go. Uh, but that Go Green, when they saw what uh, we could do and bringing in those endowment dollars plus uh, giving them money uh, right. that they could help their budget with was huge. Right. You know, I think uh, from mine, that was that major hurdle you had to get over to really win them over into the community foundation. And 
It's been a great partnership. Right. Yeah, well, it's been a great partnership. And you mentioned Phil. I mean, that was the year that Phil made that decision to do that. And uh, But certainly the confidence and the leadership of the board at that time under your leadership for him to do that and buy into the to the uh, Grow Green Match Day, as we call it, uh, was was significant in the history of this foundation. So Yeah, I think we originally had uh, Match Madness. That's yes. what it was called, was Match Madness. <laughs> and then we found out Salina uses that. Yeah. And we decided that'd be too confusing, you know, between right. here and Salina. So came up with Go Green, and uh, uh, that has been successful. I mean, that's yep. been many years now. So As you look back, and we can start with that gift from the Goldstein Foundation. Of course, you were involved at the very beginning of the GMCF. And as your term as president in the 11 years, 12 years since then, did you have any anticipation that uh, the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation could rise to the level that it is today in terms of assets and the efforts that it puts forth, not just for Manhattan, but also for all the, the 20 Soon to grow number of our affiliate partnerships. No, I mean <laughs> flat no. Uh, I like to think of myself as a visionary, mm -hmm. but I wasn't that much of a visionary, <laughs> and, I, and I really uh, never even gave it a thought for the partnerships that, uh, particularly Vern has created. Mm -hmm. You know, and all these smaller community foundations around how how well that has worked. Mm -hmm. and I don't know how he makes all these board meetings, but uh, <laughs> it, it is amazing yeah, when you think about it. And uh, I didn't have that. Uh, I just didn't think we would uh, have that possibility. And, of course, I didn't envision both steel and pipe growing to the extent that it has with its stock, which has helped, and Phil and others who have now come in and emulated that model. I, I didn't have that vision either. So, But it's great. I couldn't be more proud to have been a part of it. I couldn't be more proud for this community to have it and to be the catalyst for us way beyond the community foundation but what it's done for the community, not only in our growth, but in the growth that we have allowed the not-for-profits to have because of it. So, Do you have any thoughts on what you would like to I see in the future? <laughs> I think Vern and I will agree that you are a visionary, yeah. but uh, some things that you would like to see in the future. Well, I, I mean, I think our model's been said. I, I would love to see some of the outskirting uh, smaller community foundations maybe embrace it. Uh, I think there's some ownership in, in those. Uh, when I was on the Board of Regents, I found out in a quick hurry that uh, it was hard to consolidate community colleges because they're localized mm -hmm. and uh, they're run by local boards. And there's still some of those outskirting community foundations mm -hmm. that would be better off underneath the larger umbrella. Not self-serving from us to grow us, right. but better for them you know, giving them more opportunity uh, to leverage their dollars and, and giving them more opportunity to be a part of something larger. I hope we can continue to break down some of those barriers and bring them under a fold that uh, this truly will be a the foundation uh, of central, north central Kansas. And, and just by numbers, we're going to grow. I mean, we're not struggling with the items I had in 2012 of who are we? What are we? What are we doing? I think our identity is well-defined and well-understood and really appreciate it. Uh, it gives us such a avenue. Just think about lawyers. You know, I'm always amazed. I'm amazed at a story 
way back in the 70s when I was active at the Presbyterian Church, and and uh, we wanted to put a pipe organ in, and uh, we didn't have any money for a pipe organ, and but we had a lawyer that was involved in the church, and he had a client come in and had a pretty nice uh, estate. And he said, I don't know what to do with it. I don't have any errors. I don't know right. what to do with it. And he says, I just, I don't know. Today, we'd have that answer. Back yeah. then, he said, well, if you really don't know what to do with it, we're looking at a pipe organ. <laughs> and she gave. And she gave enough money to put a pipe organ in First Presbyterian Church. Yeah. And uh, I think those stories are more than people realize. Right. And now we have an avenue that not only allows them to give the area they want to give, but a legacy. Right. A legacy not only for them, but for the family. And those ground rules, those that groundwork that we did, uh, I can only see multiplying many times in many folds. Vern, you often talk about servant leadership. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Wolin is one of those that exemplifies that term as much as anybody in the Manhattan area. Dennis was uh, at the middle point. You know, we're celebrating our 25th year of the Community Foundation and his presidency of the board. So from I'm in the middle point? You're at the middle point. I, I you're 12, 13. for the next 25. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I'd like that. I would too. <laughs> I would too. So, uh, but uh, that was that, really that transition stage. And there's a lot of things that happened then and a lot of confidence built, a lot of vision built. Dennis mentioned it, uh, the idea that he saw the vision of smaller community foundations joining joining us uh, that wasn't held by everybody at that time. And there are still some that probably question why we do it now. But his time on the Regents, you know, you know, he falls under the category of a statesman. It's not about just his business or even just his community. He's thinking of Kansas in this process. But he thinks of his church. He thinks of the schools. I mean, there's a lot of things that he thinks about that oftentimes he doesn't have personal gratification or investment in, but it's for the benefit of the, all those around him. And and Dennis, I think that's what I appreciate most about you is how much you think about other people. For that, I would say God bless. Yeah, so. I appreciate that. No, um, Vern is an interesting one that I've had twice in my career <laughs> where I've had one I wasn't on the search committee for, but uh, <laughs> you're the second one. When we as a committee looked at hiring you, the comment came up, you know, Burns is overqualified for this job uh, because community foundation was not what it is today. Right. I mean, it was a, uh, I said earlier, going from a toddler, maybe an infant stage, and you brought your expertise in there, but I said, well, we can't hire Vern. I said the same thing. We're going to hire the best. If he doesn't stay, we're going to give him better because of it. And mm. uh, I, Never in my wildest imagination we'd be sitting here 12 years later and uh, and still here, but uh, I couldn't be more thrilled. And, and honestly, it's been a major reason why we have grown to where we're at. And I thank you for that. Well, I don't know what to say other than thank you. You don't have to. <laughs> Results are there. So. Dennis, this has been a wonderful opportunity to visit with you, yeah. to get some background, some perspective, and also just to say thank you. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for Philanthropy Today, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You can always learn more about the GMCF at our website, mcfks.org. We also invite you to subscribe to Philanthropy Today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Dave Lewis. I'm proud to host Philanthropy Today. It's hosted and produced in the Ad Astra Cast Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. 